Welcome to the Weekly Fix. I'm Jacob. And I'm Zane. And we have another fantastic episode, another Invincible Heavy episode, as that's kind of where we are at in the news. But we did get some fun Marvel news. We got a little bit of Star Wars news this week. However, this past week was actually Thanksgiving week, so happy Thanksgiving to all of you all that celebrate out there. Zane, how was your Thanksgiving break or week, or how did your celebrations go? Oh, man, it was great. Um, we had both families down uh, for the holidays, and then also my daughter turned three this weekend, so huge birthday party for her, and it was a, it was a blast. So it was fun to, to fellowship with all the family and uh, get to celebrate her a little bit. Yeah, I love – Thanksgiving is one of those holidays that you just are always excited for, but it also, for me personally, it always sneaks up on me. Like, I'm always excited for it, but it's not one of those – it's not like that Christmas holiday, right, where you're planning – for like months in advance or you know starting to get stuff ready for it so it's always a nice little pleasant surprise i saw that your daughter had a nice little spider-man cake oh absolutely she is thrilled to death with a uh, ghost spider so she had her ghost spider themed um birthday party and she she can't get enough of spidey and her amazing friends <laughs> which is awesome i'm sure you're you love that she is kind of, you know, getting into that Marvel stuff. You told me she was loving uh, Young Jedi Adventures, too. So I bet you're loving just kind of getting to explore everything again for the first time through her eyes. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I never even watched. I mean, these shows are pretty new, so I never even got to watch them. Um, so but it's cool because um, I really didn't force it on her at all. It was just there. It was on. And, and she uh, she was like, let's watch that. And I was like absolutely let's right. turn it on <laughs> like no problem and uh, I, I actually do feel a little bad i'm like man like maybe like a little bit more princesses like help help the wife <laughs> out a little bit but um then i'm like nah come on back to spidey like, right so. <laughs> well you can't ever complain about that especially when you love marvel and star wars and stuff as much as you do um it's always fun to be able to share that with other people and i'm sure it's especially special being able to share it with your daughter so oh that's yeah when awesome. we walk in when we walk in the comic book store and there's like a you know you know I think it's like a 10-foot Hulk. You know, she's like, oh, Hulk smash. It's just, you know, it's really special. <laughs> yeah, it's some of the, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, like I said, we got a lot of Invincible to talk about. Had a really great week of Invincible with the mid-season finale. Um, I'd love to hear what you feel about a mid-season finale. Do you like mid-season finales, or are you more just give it to me now? Or wh how do you feel about a mid-season finale? Um... It's it's okay. Um, now th there is some caveats to it. If it's a longer season, I, I do enjoy a mid-season finale. Um, I th I think that's fine. But with a as big of a break between seasons as we get, and then with an eight-episode uh, show, it doesn't need a uh, a season mid-season finale, in my opinion. Uh, if it was, you know, 20 episodes and we were getting 20 episodes consistently every fall, I can see taking that holiday break. But when you get eight episodes and it's not always consistent, like when it's going to be dropping, I don't like the hol the mid-season break just because I don't think we've got it. We got enough content to deserve a break from it. I, I agree 100%. When I realized, like, I knew going into the season, I, I knew there was a mid-season finale. But when episode four came out and I was like, holy cow, this is the mid-season finale, I was definitely disappointed because the show is in such a good spot right now. I didn't want it to stop. Um, we had another great episode. I thought for a mid-season finale was a s extremely good episode. Um, definitely has been the best episode of the season. I think Robert Kirkman didn't lie when he said this is one of the best episodes of the entire show so far. I would definitely probably put it at my number one just because it really feel like feels like the story is starting to take form. Um, I was actually surprised. I know we had some rumors and we had some theories about how big of a presence Omni-Man was going to be in this episode. He was a huge presence. It wasn't just one of those things where we thought potentially it was one of the one of those species, you know, acting like him and looking like him. He, it was actually Omni-Man, which was really cool to see. Um, so what did you feel about the mid-season finale? How would you grade it? Did you like it? Was it a letdown for a mid-season finale for you? Or you did it leave you wanting more? Um, so as far as like a mid-season finale, I thought it was absolutely great. 
definitely the best episode of this season. I will say I don't think it was as good as episode eight from season one. It's close, but it, I I think uh, I think it was definitely the best episode of this season. I did uh, I did have some hot hot garbage takes on uh, on Nolan apparently being a <laughs> um, not <laughs> Nolan because uh, clearly man that was the crux of the entire show. Um, but yeah, it had some interesting twists and turns. Um, I was I was really in, invested in the entire thing. There was a few things that I'd be like, mm, uh, I want more. I want more, uh, like reasoning behind it. Like I want to explore more of Nolan and why why his sudden change. Uh, in like I understand it. I understand they gave it, but man, is it a drastic unlike understandable change in the course of a few months that is my biggest complaint with the episode like i said it has been this was definitely my favorite episode of the entire show i will put it at number one for me like i said i feel like the story is really coming to form we're finally getting to see some more viltrumites we're finally starting to get to see some real crazy fights go down it seems like we finally saw nolan fight someone of his caliber which you could kind of argue he was still a lot stronger than everybody if it wasn't for a little cheap shot there at the end. But it was finally getting to see him and actually almost have to work a little bit for it. I mean, everyone we've seen him fight up to this point was just kind of a, you know, move out the way, you're, you're too weak for me. But this one was finally, you know, getting to that point. But like I said, my biggest complaint with the episode was what you just said. I feel like we saw him change so much without really seeing it happen that I was left a little bit confused as well. I was hoping to see more of it, which they did give us some like little scenes, like showing him just flying through space, kind of all down on himself. And it looked like he was actually getting ready to potentially maybe kill himself until he found the species that was hurtling towards this, I guess you'd call it maybe a black hole or a star or something of that nature. Um, So just to see that drastic change, you know, going from wanting to kill the whole, you know, all of Earth, essentially, to take over for the Viltrumite Empire or enslave them to, you know, wanting to do the opposite, just protect an entire species from the Viltrumite Empire, I thought was really a crazy turn of events, and it's definitely not one I saw coming. Yeah, I definitely didn't see that coming. I I was kind of more, I really enjoyed, like, your take last week was saying where where it was going to go with him maybe getting another one to give to them like as a peace offering uh kind of kind of showing maybe showing mark like what they actually do like how how they do progress societies um and i think it was really shown just the progression from like and i touched on last week that it's the the show does everything on its nose right like the comment about his his when debbie was selling the holes and she was and we talked about last week where, you know, she's not your pet, right? It's on the nose. Like, they're not letting you read the emotions. They're not letting mm-hmm. you see that. They're telling it to you on the nose. Mm-hmm. And so in in taking this bug creature um, species that literally lives for a year, like their mm-hmm. lifespan, lifespan is one of our years, you know, they're – they're really like it's, it's again it's like it's just that on the nose like oh man nolan's completely changed all of his ways and it's like you know you could have told that a little bit more subtly like you could have done that gradually and i understand like hey we like this show is action-packed we want to get to the story but i think you could have done that with maybe like even if it was like i don't know a year is drastic right a, a year is like man that that's like insects like that's what you're gonna go this with like he didn't care about humans he killed millions of humans Mm -hmm. and then he cares about insects and when the entire reason he didn't care about humans is because their lifespan was too short like honestly it was too big of a switch for me to completely buy in i kept i kept hanging back saying oh there's something else Mm -hmm. yeah i i completely agree but in the same vein you know Talking about it being such a drastic change, you can still see Nolan holding on to some of those Viltrumite ways. One of the things that I noticed through that is he was intrigued by how fast this species advances compared to Mark on Earth. You know, they talk about how, you know, it took Mark's Mark years or something to do something where this species, it takes a week or two, right? So I could still see some of those Viltrumite ways of Nolan coming through and being like, hey, this is kind of, 
you know, similar to what we want. We want society that advances itself, that moves itself forward. And maybe that you could look at that as in a shorter period of time as a way of doing things quicker. Um, but I was still blown away by just that, that drastic change. Um, and then we finally got to see some more Viltrumites. Um, and then we finally, one thing we've been talking a lot about is Mark having his moment of actually showing some strength. So how did you feel about Mark's kind of coming to moment of, you know, he is pretty a strong character rather than just being the dude that takes punches? I think it was wrapped up beautifully in Nolan's one statement that was said, uh, stop fighting like you're on Earth. And it really encapsulates the entire character of just how good Mark Grayson is. That even when these people are trying to absolutely you know obliterate him off the the face of the known universe he's still holding back and to see like his character in that statement and also to realize that every fight he's done up until this point he is holding back I thought that was awesome, and I thought like getting him to, to come to and be like, hey, this is life or death, not only for me, but for this entire species, for my father, Like, and if I don't do this, we're all dead. I thought that was a and great character moment. I think so too, and what I liked about that is you'd almost think if it was maybe just Nolan by himself there, Mark just might let him just be killed. It, if It's really the whole thing that Mark is still trying to show that he wants to protect people. And he looks at this species as maybe those people in Chicago that, that we keep going back to from season one that died, that Nolan killed thousands of people, right? Yeah. Mark wants to have wished he could have helped them and actually saved them there. So a lot of these moments we're seeing, we saw it with the fish people in the um, earlier episode this year. He wants to just save people. He is fighting becoming his dad so much that it's almost to a fault he's willing to, you know, do stuff that he might not even fully agree with because he doesn't want to continue that journey of, you know, I'm going to turn into my dad. Kind of what everyone is almost worried he's going to do, no matter how many times he tells people he's not, everyone thinks he's still going to. Um, so I really liked his coming to moment. Um, I really liked a lot of that. I loved seeing the Viltrumites. I love seeing them actually fight. Um, how did you feel about the three new Viltrumites that we got. Did you like their introduction into the show? Do you like that we're starting to see more of the Viltrumite Empire? Or do you wish that was kind of something that we were still looking forward to? Oh, no. If you're going to if you're gonna start this story uh, uh, with and keeping Omni-Man, and, and, I mean, honestly, he's going... He's getting sent off to be executed, so either somebody's going to save him or this is the end of it. But to, to tell that story, to progress Mark's character, and to, to get the overall Viltrumite threat, I thought this was a really good way to do it. Um, and those are the same three that killed, um, or supposedly killed, uh, Alan. Yeah. So I thought it was cool that they brought those three back, kind of like, hey, these are their three trusted go fix the situation Viltramites yep. and then our sneak peek at the uh the Viltramites coming to clean up the mess. Yep. Um with the pretty scary general there at the end. Um, yes. Uh that was a great moment. So I had I had no complaints with the Viltramites at all. Except for the cheap shot. I didn't like that. I didn't like the yep. cheap shot. I agree because you want a fight like that and they talk about it a lot. You hear the Viltramites say the great Nolan, right? So obviously, Nolan. he is—he's a special Viltrumite. What you know, whether that be just he is immensely powerful, he is really strong. Maybe he's highly respected by the Viltrumite Empire. There's something about him that you know warrants three other Viltrumites going to take him on, um, which I thought was really cool. Obviously, like I said, it didn't even seem like it was much of a fight for Nolan. Sure, he's going to take a few hits here and there. But ultimately, he kind of dealt with his one-on-ones pretty easily, and then even went in to save Mark when Mark couldn't deal that final blow. Um, so I really like that we're still seeing Nolan as this ultimate Viltrumite in a way. We still haven't seen someone as strong as him. I love that they're keeping that there, but it does start to seem like we're going to eventually get to the point where he might meet his match. I agree with you saying that we didn't get to see a real fight because of the cheap shot. I hated that. I was like, oh, that stinks just because... We saw him take on basically all three and come out on top, and then that's how it goes down. So you never want to see something like that. Um, but I do want to ask you, so we've seen they're progressing the story with the Viltrumite Empire. We've kind of got a really laid-back 
you know, they kind of put the other story that we had at the beginning of the season with the multiverses and all that thing on the back burner, it seems like. Do you think when this midseason finale comes back that we're going to get more of that? Or do you think it picks up right where this midseason finale left off? I I think we pick up um, both of the stories or uh, three of the stories um, that were side stories become now the main story. I think okay. the multiverse one is one. I think the um, Adam Eve story is the okay. the second one, and then the Mahler twins. Um, I really loved what they did with the Mahler twins in this episode. Yep. I just every time they're on screen, I just like them. Yep. <laughs> um, I just enjoy their screen time. I enjoy their presence, their brute strength, and and higher intellect, and the back and forth with the clones. Like it's all just fun. It's a fun part of the show that like I'm never sad when they're on screen. So. I think those three storylines will become the main storyline okay. with maybe episode eight, um, like maybe five, six, and seven dealing with the multiverse one without a resolution. And then episode eight, maybe the culmination of Viltramite coming to check and multiverse. Okay. That's one thing I'm excited to see because, you know, you hear that one general at the end tell Mark, hey, you're taking over your jab, your dad's job. Go get Earth ready for us. Mark is obviously going to take a huge issue to that. So I'm very excited to see how they progress that story. You touched on the Mahler twins. And one thing I want to touch on is Donald. So oh, we saw yeah. Debbie when she was saw Donald for the first time again. She was like, hold on a second. And that really sparked an interest in Donald. Why was Debbie so surprised to see him? We get to see him kind of go and explore what happened. You see him kind of break into the archives. He even signs into the computer as Cecil. And then we get to see that he he realizes he shouldn't be alive right now. We see him before that. He goes to the Debbie's home to check on her. And he goes over to the house across the street that was blown up. That was where they were keeping their surveillance on them. He finds his old glasses. I'm really interested to see what they do with this character. Because obviously he is questioning a lot right now. Obviously, he's a lot stronger than he's letting on because when you see him go into the bathroom to check if he's a human or not, he does bleed, but that knife comes out a little bit bent. So what do you think about the Donald storyline? Do you think it's going to continue to be a side story or could you see it also elevating to a big part of the story with those other you know, underlying stories that we have going on right now? I think that becomes a side story. I okay. think that just is him coming... I mean, he realizes he is an android now. Like, yep. he is an android. Um, the relief on his face was awesome. And then the sadness when he sees the knife bent and, like, the realization that, oh, wow, there is some, like, I am an android. Or, yeah, I'm like, not a I don't human. know if he completely, yeah, not a human. Like, man, that, that was a cool moment. That was a good yeah. way to show that, too. Um, so I think that's a side story with Cecil, and I think that's just another thing that's going to take Cecil off his game. We saw it with Atlantis. We see the Guardians of the Globe suck, um, we, and now we see that Debbie uh, took away his uh, fun, uh, funding yep. stream. Yep. So it's just another thing that takes off his plate, and now he's just off his game just even that much more. And now we're going to see what he does to recover. Well, and you even talked about previously, you, I was the one that was always like, you know, always seems like Cecil knows what's going on. And you were like, well, there's quite a few things that are pointing to he's starting to crack. And this episode in particular, when what set me off, that was like, oh, maybe he's not on his game as, as much as I thought he would be, is how can someone else log into his account and him not be notified or, you know, something happen? As soon as I saw, yes, as soon as I saw Donald type his name in, I was like, Cecil's about to teleport right into those archives, and he didn't. And then on top of that, Donald also had time to review everything and look through stuff. So I am, you know, starting to join your bandwagon of Cecil is not on his game right now. And it's sad for me because I really liked his character almost being that, like, you know, that sense of knowing what's going on, that sense of knowing how to fix things. It really seems like that's going to, you know, spiral out of control. And I'm interested, like you said, to see how he does fix it because. I could see him kind of potentially turning into some sort of villain in a way that kind of would surprise me personally. I know when I first saw him, when I first started watching the show, I was like, oh, I kind of feel like he could be a villain. But then I kind of got off of that when I just continually seeing him trying to help Earth. 
But I could also yeah. see him starting to try to push his own agenda in a way. Um, so that's going to be something super interesting to explore. Um, one thing I, I've been thinking about a lot, I haven't done any research because I'm kind of trying to come up with my own ideas like you've been saying. At the end of the episode, we see Nolan is tied up to that, you know, the, the stretcher kind of thing. And he tells Mark to read his books. I don't know where they're going with that. I obviously have some feelings that maybe Nolan has learned some ways to maybe get stronger, or maybe he knows some things that are happening, or he has some secrets that no one knows about. Did you take any, you know, did that take you by surprise? Did that get your mind running like it did mine? Or did you just kind of, you know, look at it as Nolan thinks he's dead and he wants his son to maybe remember him in a certain way? Um, so I, I do think that's incredibly deep moment. And I think it's maybe giving Mark just the direction for how to beat the Viltramite Empire. Or, okay. um, hey, maybe he has more sons on other conquered okay. planets that will now join the fight. Because we, we haven't talked about his insect brother yet. Yes. But yes. since he's going to age quickly, I assume that's another Viltramite half-breed that's going to join Mark. Um, and so maybe there's more Viltramite half-breeds that Nolan has in his books talked about. Uh-huh. He's going to go find them, and, and maybe those planets are uh, not super Viltramite-oriented, and that's just another team for the, uh, for the Rebellion. I actually love that. I hadn't even thought about that at all. And when they show some of those titles of those books, you know, when Debbie's throwing them out to the curb, they are kind of all talking about different planets and different things like that, it looked like. So that actually would make a ton of sense, is maybe Nolan was starting to maybe want to form his own Viltrumite empire in a way. Um, You know, he seems so (laughs) dedicated to the cause, but if you're that dedicated to a cause like that, you don't switch up as fast as he did. So maybe this has been something he's been thinking about, and I actually really like that idea. Maybe Mark going to have to assemble an Avengers-type group to go and fight the Viltrumites, um, which that would be really cool. Um, man, I think this the show is in a really great spot. Um, I just love everything they're doing. You know, we talked a little bit about the Adam Eve thing. You know, she's starting to have to come to terms with. You know, she's got a lot of issues she's working through. I'm interested to see the the story that she brings in. Um, I feel like she was kind of backseated a little bit in this episode, um, but it makes sense with it being a mid season finale. What do you think about her story moving forward? I think that they're just showing that, you know, when we started this show, she was the one that had her entire life together. She she understood how to be the superhero and how to live the normal life, and now the roles have almost completely switched where now Mark is the established superhero. He's doing everything well and she's an emotional wreck. Um, so I think that Mark's going to come back and kind of need her and she's not going to be available because she's, she's off her game because she's just emotionally not there. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we may just get more Adam Eve spinoff episodes. Um, okay. I was actually at my comic book store. Um, yesterday yeah and i was looking for the um omnibus for invincible because i i was mad that we had the season break and i was like well i'm just gonna read it um and uh i saw that they didn't have the omnibus for invincible but they did have the adam eve omnibus oh okay and i was like i didn't even know this was a run so maybe that's what they're going to spin off onto. And so, hey, we got the Adam Eve spinoff project, uh, one one shot episode, and now she's getting an entire arc. Maybe we're getting, maybe we're getting an Adam Eve spinoff in the near future. Well, one thing I would really like is I know when they talked about this mid season finale, Robert Kirkman said he specifically said with the hustle and bustle of holidays, he doesn't want the show to get lost. Um, as much as I, I can understand where he's coming from, I think this show is ginormous right now. I feel like it has really hit the ground running, especially with season two. I feel like lots of people are talking about it. Um, I'm sure you, like you said, you went into your comic book. If you wanted to, I'm sure you could strike up a conversation about Invincible with just about a lot of the people that are in there just because of how big the show is right now. I would love for them to drop maybe an Adam Eve special during this little mid-season break. I think around Christmas time, it'd be really fun. 
um, just to give us something, you know, we're all dying to see more right now. So I think that would actually be awesome if they do give us another spinoff episode, um, whether that be set, you know, talking about her before or maybe right now kind of picking up where her story is kind of left off with this midseason finale. I would love to see that. Um, that would be great for us viewers because obviously we just love content. But like oh, I said, yeah. I think this was a great episode. And and you said strike up in a conversation. There was two other people there looking for the omnibus. I've been there right. before. I've seen it in person. Uh, there was two of them, and uh, they were both sold out. And the other, like neither of the people that I was with got one. So like, it's definitely it's hot right now. It's it's hot right now. And and yeah. I know like if you talk to like a normal, um, not comic book fan, I'm sure they're not watching the show because it is it is a uh, animated film and animated uh, films have or series have this stigma around them that they're childish or that they're not worth watching. It's a it's a lesser form of media, and I just couldn't disagree more. Um, yeah. I think it it actually tells these type of stories better. There's a reason they were comic books first, um, because it's it fits the form well. So I I don't know I. I do understand it's mass- massive in this community, but for maybe a viewer that they brought in that's not as devoted to it as as the 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 core fans are, I do understand it could get lost during the the holidays. And I I think that's what makes sense for Robert Kirkman. If you do have these new viewers that are still trying to catch up, you know, maybe they're interested in the show and they are coming back to watch it. If you're not really tied into a show, you're not really dialed in. If you miss an episode, you might not even be willing to ever catch back up. So with holiday season being so busy, I understand where he's coming from. But for those people like us, I'm like, man, I'm going to watch it. I'm like, Robert Kirkman, you don't have to skip, you know, these next few months or whatever, however long. I think they said maybe February, if I remember correctly, is when it's coming back. Um, I'm like, I don't need to wait that long. I promise I'll watch all the episodes. But I kind of get what they're getting at with that. Um, As far as this episode goes... I, we we talked about it on the show we're hesitant to give out ten out of tens. For me personally, this was a ten out of ten episode for Invincible. I loved every bit of it. I love getting to see the Viltrumites. I love getting to see where the story seems like it's going. Um, you got me even more excited now thinking about Invincible going around and maybe getting some more, uh, you know, half breed Viltrumites to fight the Viltrumite Empire. That's got me really excited now. So for me personally, as a 10 out of 10, what would you, off the top of your head, rate this episode? I give this one a 9. Um, and that that's only because of the complaints I talked about earlier. And and they are small, but they are, like, they do make it less for me. I still really enjoyed it. Um, but it wasn't as, you know, episode 8 for me, when they were throwing, you know, when they were throwing ball and, and like those flashback periods and, and the importance of children in your yeah, life, you know, yeah. that got me emotional, like literally <laughs> emotional. Yeah. And like that, that had an impact on me. This one was an amazing piece of content, but it wasn't emotional. It didn't change me. It was really, really fun to watch. But um, for me, it's it's a nine, which is a very, very high rating, but yeah. it's, it's yeah. not oh, quite yeah. a 10. What well, I, I, totally can agree with those complaints i still am upset about the fact that we just saw nolan kind of switch up out of nowhere um i I did think it was funny you know we talked about the fight a little bit um and no one was like well quit fighting like you're on earth i also thought it was funny that no one told mark hey quit thinking and just fight when in episode eight all he was telling we we saw the memes right think mark right so (laughs) it's kind of funny that we're kind of seeing nolan has completely shifted his ways he's not wanting mark to think anymore he's wanting him to just act um, so funny. I thought that was funny, uh, but yeah, like I said, for me it was a real, it was a great episode, perfect episode for me. And I do have to say, I'm definitely catering more to the fact that I just had so much fun watching it. I can agree with maybe the story aspect of it might not have been up to par with episode eight, but for me, just the the combat and the getting to see all the fighting that was just what I've been dying to see this season. I've been talking about how much I want to see Mark have his moment. Finally, got to see it, and I do think he would have killed the Viltrumite soldier if he wouldn't have froze because he said he's not killing people. So I think we're finally getting to see Mark be him, be kind of the main character, the mo- potentially going to get get to that area of being the most powerful character. Um, so that's got me super excited. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on with this Invincible episode or any other theories you might want to talk about? 
No, I just I do. Uh, I have one thing I want to talk about, but then I was like, man, if anyone's listening to this that hasn't read the comics, like and knows what's coming, it would be <laughs> hilarious for them to like be listening to like even like last week going back and listening to last week's episode, like me saying like I actually think it's like not him, and then like this episode is <laughs> well, all they're just about rolling him. their eyes right now. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just like, oh, why are these guys even talking? But um, <laughs> I did want to touch on something. The the last thing was that um. Art visiting Debbie and, and, and Debbie's emotional journey in this episode I thought was really good. And, and man, it's amazing how good Mark Hamill is at bringing characters oh. to life. And, and his voice acting is just so good. And then him him explaining that like Debbie was the reason that they're not yep. all slaves. And I yep. think that moment is going to play big in the multiversal uh, multiverse like um, circle like that storyline. Yeah. Why all the other marks are bad. I think it's going to pay dividends because they're going to be like, hey, listen, like they didn't have a Debbie like you. Um, and I think that's going to be a really cool moment and a good payoff for the second half of the season. Yeah, that was an awesome. I I loved that scene as well because really, you could argue that she is the superhero that's that that is on the show right now. Great example you said is you know she's the reason why Mark had the you know, morals to not just join his dad's cause and to not just think because he's got these powers that he's better than everybody else. Obviously, that's just a sign of great parenting. We know that great parenting didn't come from Nolan. We even heard Art say <laughs> he wasn't even there most of the time. So I think that was a really great moment. I'm glad you brought that up because that had completely slipped my mind. Um, but yeah, she, she, I just love, I think we can talk about this one thing. The voice acting in this show, you mentioned Mark Hamill, is phenomenal. I don't ever yeah. feel like I'm taken out of the scene because someone's voice or anything like that, which can happen a lot, especially with animated shows. This might be one of the best voice acted shows I've ever seen. I And I think this is uh, – I think Hollywood kind of has an issue right now with voice acting that they want to get big-name actors. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, Chris Pratt is, is fine for what he's done and what I've heard him do. But, I mean um, – I was just looking at somebody on here um, that was like uh, Gray Griffin. No one knows who yep. that is, but she yep. does like seven characters on this show, and she is incredible. But yep. like, no one's thinking like, "Hey, that's like Gray Griffin." No, they're they're in, they're you know mesmerized by just how good the characters are. So I think Hollywood really needs to step back and say, hey, like these are just good voice actors. And and maybe Chris, you know, I said Chris Pratt. I'm not hating on Chris Pratt or anything there, but I'm, <laughs> I just know that he's everywhere in animated oh, voice right acting now. right now. And personally, yep. I don't think he's at the level of, of some of these people like J.K. Simmons. Now, no. J.K. Simmons is one of my favorite all-time actors, but his voice acting is is just on par with his acting, and and I don't feel like uh, Hollywood is is they really care more about the marketing than the actual yep. quality of of the projects they're putting out. Well, I was just about to say that. I mean, as much as I loved it, we could talk about something like Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. I mean, if you look at that that list of actors that are in that movie, it's just it's just big name after big name after big name, and it's not really. I'm not not to say they don't do good, but you can almost tell when they're trying to get like a grab of, hey, this guy's in this movie. You got you got to come see it if you like this character or if you like this actor. I love when new actors are given a chance. Um, I think that's one of the great things that we we normally see out of star wars and we normally see out of marvel prod projects is because they want a new character they want that character to not be known for something else it makes sense but i like when new people are given a chance we talked about it with the fantastic four um and the potential of who's playing mr fantastic me and you both wanted potentially someone that's really not gotten that that spotlight um and i think this show has done a really good job of just giving good voice actors an opportunity yeah yeah and and it, it is very very good yeah, I think that's one thing, you know, we talk about, I think Robert Kirkman's one of my favorite comic artists and writers of all time, um, but he does a really good job, I think, of spotting a lot of this talent. So, I mean, we know he's The Walking Dead, absolutely huge. There were some big name characters, some big name actors in that show, but a lot of the main characters, you know, that's where they got their big start was The Walking Dead. Um, you've seen some of those relationships continue. We talked about last week about how Robert Kirkman and Stephen Young are so close that he was the one that gave out the Century News. Um, so it's really cool to see him working with these actors over and over again. 
Um, but like I said, we absolutely loved this episode. I think it was really great. Um, moving away from Invincible a little bit, though, we don't have a whole lot of content that we are watching right now, but we're, it seems like we're in that part of the year where we're getting a lot of news. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it just seems like almost every day there's a new headline coming out of some big news. Um, one of the ones I wanted to spotlight first up is talking about Star Wars a little bit, and we actually see Dave Filoni get a nice little, um, you know, what's the word? Uh, a raise. Uh, raise, yeah. Promotion. like a Promotion, there's the word I'm looking for. Um, and I'm excited for that. So how did you feel about the Dave Filoni news? Of I think you have the actual title of what he got promoted to. Yeah, um, his chief creative officer. I think that's a great title for him. I think that's a great position. And I think it's too late. I, I think... Go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah. Like, man, he like if he could have just got this when 7 was coming out, I yeah. feel like we like I feel like they would have had another breakout year of just I mean, I think episode nine would have beat uh in games um box office if Heck, you could he would have already been there. Yeah, you could argue if he was given that opportunity, seven, eight, nine might be three of the biggest movies of all time in order. I mean Yes. So yeah, I agree. Like I'm excited for what he can do. I'm excited that he is working more directly with Kathleen Kennedy, and it almost sounds as if the little bit of the articles I was reading about it, he is almost going to get the final say of the way the creative direction goes with the show, um, with Star Wars as a franchise in general moving forward. But one thing I wanted to talk about that I really liked that he said was he said, I'm not going to be the one telling people yes or no. I'm going to be guiding people that have stories that they want to tell. So I really like that. He's going to still give people the opportunity to, you know, other people have great ideas too. I mean, we love Star Wars as a whole. Dave Filoni has not been the one that's written every Star Wars thing that we've ever gotten. I mean, it's been a lot of different writers. Obviously, he's one of the head guys there, and he's done a lot for Star Wars. But I'm excited that he actually made that quote. You know, he's going to be more of a helping people steer the ship in the right direction rather than steering it for himself. So how do you feel about something like that with him moving forward and, you know, still giving writers their creative, you know, drive to do what they want to do? I, I feel like that's good. And and you touched on Kathleen Kennedy. I hope that she just is completely out of the picture soon and, <laughs> and, and lands on her feet somewhere else because um, I, I think she's done it more detriment than good in her current position. But I could agree. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't find that as fond. Um of a statement as, as you seem to, I, I think it's okay, but the writers that I, we just need to get the right writers in the room. And, and once you get the right writers in the room, then that moment can happen. But until you get people that love star Wars, wanting to tell star Wars stories, not other stories in the star Wars universe, I think we're going to, we're going to kind of come to the same issues that we currently, um, kind of got with Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, amazing director. Yeah. He wanted to tell a story. That story could have been great. It's just yeah. a terrible Star Wars story. It, it's something that didn't need to be said. It was someone who didn't understand the Star Wars universe, who thought yeah. it was about one specific family that only certain people could use the Force, but he was just wrong. He didn't yeah. understand it. He didn't watch it. He didn't care. Um, and so until we get those people to stop being involved with the stories that we love, then we're not going to get then I think he can't say that statement and, and be like actual with it. I think that needed to be preceded by, I'm going to get the right writers in the room, and then I'm going to let them cook. Well, there could be, like I said, that was a small article I read. There could be more to his actual statement, but I agree with that. I think him being there is kind of you know you know the guide, like saying, here's where we're going. Here's what you can do. Tell me a great story with this fence built around it, right? right. Don't go outside of this fence say inside of this fence but inside of this fence you have a lot of free reign to do what you want to do but i'm still going to guide you in a way that's going to help the overarching story so that's why i'm excited for him being in this role in particular yeah and you know what i would just love it if they put out like a sh like if <laughs> i know this is crazy i just i'm dunking all <laughs> over the uh seven eight nine but it would be amazing if for like the next like ray story i just did air quotes i know it's a podcast but for the next ray <laughs> story um that he like 
he wakes up and like she realizes that those were all a dream and we just reset. <laughs> oh man, don't get my hopes up like that. <laughs> like that would well, be I, uh, like so well, good know, for the fan base. Well, speaking of Star Wars news, another one I wanted to talk to you about is they actually did talk to um, Daisy Ridley. And they asked her about her next Ray movie, and she said she was very shocked at the direction the story is going. What are your thoughts on that? I have a few of mine. I don't know if you've heard that quote or not. But where do you I... think this? What do you think that lands? If you've if you've heard that quote, if you had some time to think about it, um, where do you I think she meant by that? I haven't heard that quote. This is my first time hearing that. Um, I mean, personally, I kind of think that's good because I I just don't think that anyone in in the room there really understood what the story was supposed to be about, and they all had their own ideas about like what true strength is and 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 you know turning you know everything on its head. So I mean, I don't even know what to think about that because I don't think she understands Star Wars. Oh, I, I can agree with that. I think mostly for me, the way I interpret that is I think she is really getting backseated. I think she is going to be surprised that she's not the main character. I think she's probably a little maybe upset about it. She said she's still excited for it, um, but I do think that's maybe what she was indicating is that the okay. story is just moving in a completely different direction than what she was anticipating. Obviously, she was supposed to be the next big thing with Star Wars. Obviously, it didn't work out. I think that's probably where she's so shocked. That's what my theory would be with that statement. But I was like, if that's the way it's supposed to, if that's the way I'm interpreting it, I think that's a great thing that we're getting away away from that whole race storyline because it's just not good. <laughs> now, that would be a great thing. Yes. So let's hope that is the case. Um, you know, you never know with a lot of these things, but hopefully that's, that's my best guess for it. Um, but moving away from Star Wars, another big thing that we saw moving into Marvel a little bit. Sounds like Sam Raimi is potentially going to be the big guy over the next couple of Avengers movie. Um, we talked a little bit about that. You're not exactly excited about Sam Raimi, you know, leading these next Marvel projects. Uh, so I'm not excited about that. And I, I wish I was, I wish I liked him more. Um, the, the problem is I just like, and it's been going around a little bit that, you know, the first Spider-Man didn't age well. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just don't think that's necessarily true. I think people are just kind of coming to grips with the movie that it actually was. And because I remember not adoring those films growing up. Like, I liked them, but Spider-Man 1, like, I never liked Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. I never thought he was a good Spider-Man. Um and so, like, I mean, I mean, I remember watching three and not enjoying it. And I think I watched that movie twice my entire life um, because and that's insane for someone who literally watched over the hedge three times in a row. <laughs> um, so, like, hey, let's not that's talk just smack who I am. Over the hedge. That's a great movie. Oh, I, I, I mean, that was not talking <laughs> smack. That was just saying, like, I watch movies um, right. and I watch them again and again. Um, so. You know, I just didn't love those. I like, I didn't think Tobey Maguire was a standout in uh, No Way Home. I thought he was good. I enjoyed him. I liked seeing him on screen. But like, I thought Andrew Garfield stood head and shoulders above him. Yes. I thought Tom and Ho Tom Holland stood head and shoulders above him. And like, I like both of their Spider-Man takes better. Um, and I know, I know, I'm in the minority there, and that's okay. But like. Then to see his multiverse of madness work and say like, man, that just was a cluster. And I know that wasn't his fault completely, but the things that people said that they loved about it, I just didn't love. Like they're like, man, that's Sam Raimi right there. And I'm like, well, maybe I just don't like Sam Raimi because I thought that was horrible. Um, and one example of that is is when they're getting chased in the tunnels and the su supposed jump scare by Scarlet Witch. Like, I thought that was cheesy as all get out. I thought it was poorly, poorly. Uh, I thought the cinematography in that scene was, was not great. I thought the creativity was just – like, you have the most – you have the two characters that can have the absolute most creativity in the entire universe – and and that that's the scene that you choose to tell in that moment. I just like 
dude, she, like, the mirror scene in that movie was cool, and that was creative, but then, like, you just go away from those cool concepts, and I don't know, it's just, like, watching Multiverse Madness again, it's like, man, this movie could have been just, it could have been an all-time, but I think, like, his direction with the MCU brand is just bad. I think, apart, maybe they're good. But together, I don't think they mesh well. It's so funny you bring up that scene. I actually talk about that scene as one of my more favorite scenes from the movie. Because (laughs) I just loved the scary idea of Scarlet Witch. You know, I'd get the jump scare being a little cheesy. I get all that. But I did like the whole dark side of Scarlet Witch throughout that whole scene. You know, we get to see the, the Illuminati and all that stuff happening. Um, I, I, lo- I actually did like that scene, so it's funny to hear you actually didn't, but it also makes sense, because I feel like on a lot of these things, we differ in what <laughs> we like and what we don't like, so I feel like that's what makes our podcast work so well, is because we both have a good and a bad side to almost everything, and then we usually find a middle ground. But well, And I the middle ground funny. on this is like the scary scene uh, when she's atta- attacking Carmitage, and she's going through the mirrors, and you gotta cover up the yeah, reflections, the and like, I thought that was actually like a scary moment she was like she actually looked like she was just like ready to do whatever it took and then i just felt like i felt like that level like actually gave like horror vibes i felt like that was actually like a scary intense moment and just like when they were just like walking through the hallways closing doors behind them i just felt like there was like meh i just don't (laughs) i don't know i just didn't feel it there well, I'm I'm excited to see what Sam Raimi does. I I I can agree. A lot of his stuff, I feel like, is it, it's kind of average. Um, I do feel like a lot of this could be though. I I think we both know Tobey Maguire can be hard to work with. I could also see this maybe being a reason. Terrible to, person. Uh, yeah, we talked about it before. Um, I I think this might be a way of them maybe coaxing him to get back into the role because I think we all know Spider Man and all the Spider Men are probably going to be in Secret Wars. And I could see, you know, maybe just having that friendly face around set might be a, a little bit of a reason, maybe not a big reason, um, but it, it's interesting to see. Uh, moving on to another Marvel story, though, is we're getting more and more Fantastic Four news. It seems like every other week, or even at this point, every week, it seems like there's a big new headline coming out. And the big one that I recently saw was who they have playing Doctor Doom. I don't know if you've seen this or not, um, but it seems like Killian Murphy is the guy that they are wanting to play Dr. Doom. How do you feel about that role for someone like him? Um, I think Cillian Murphy is potentially a top 10 actor of this generation. And I don't think that there could be a better person to play Dr. Doom. I love that casting. I think that's amazing. I've seen that fan casting for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So... um, I, I kind of like I think I saw that on Twitter today and I kind of just it, it breezed today, over yep. it. I just breezed over it because I was like, oh man, somebody else is fan casting. I didn't even look into it. So um, to see if that was actually a report from uh, a reputable source, that would be amazing. Um, and I really I just like everything he does. He is just a phenomenal actor, a, a massive talent. Um, so to see him as potentially one of the best villains in Marvel, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, so right now it seems like the report, and this is from the Twitter account, My Time to Shine Hello, which I think he's actually pretty reputable. Seems like he gets a lot of stuff right um, most of the time. I, I follow him a lot for this type of stuff, and he said right now he is the top choice to play Doctor Doom in the MCU, and he also followed that up with Doctor Doom will most likely not appear in the first Fantastic Four movie, and he will be a cameo at best which I think is probably the correct way to go about a character like Dr. Doom. He's huge. He's one of those characters we want some build-up to, like Thanos. I want Dr. Doom to have that level of respect that Thanos got, because in my opinion, he's a bigger villain than Thanos is. In a sense of, you know, looking back throughout the comics, Dr. Doom plays a very pivotal role in a lot of stories. So I think he deserves that build-up, and I would hope that he does get a movie of that you know get kind of prepared for what he's about to do so how do you feel about him being a cameo in the first movie potentially yeah i'm all for that um i I really hope they don't do galactus as i know that that's kind of what they're aiming for it looks like that's what i'm assuming I, i would just rather them not do 
anything that's been touched Fantastic Four. Stay away completely from all of the other things that have been done. Tell a you. There is 70 years of comic book gold to pull from. You do not have to stick with Doctor Doom and Galactus on the first outing. Like, yes, tell their stories, but it doesn't have to be the first freaking movie. So um, I'm kind of disappointed to hear that maybe we're getting Galactus, but um, a cameo from uh, Doctor Doom, maybe even just setting up Latveria like as a country of origin and giving them, like, just giving the context, because we've seen it in Moon Knight. We saw them in Latveria. We saw the dooms, the doom yeah, the um, Easter eggs. We saw the castle. Mm-hmm. We know it's a place. It wasn't spelled out as 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 openly as we need to for the common the common watcher to see it. Um, but we all know it's there. They want to go there, like you said. Um, maybe maybe uh, maybe I disagree with with bet bigger than Thanos. Um, but like, yes, he is top five Marvel villain. Like mm-hmm. get him, get him in the story. I'm good with him not being the big bad. And I hope he's one of those characters. He does. I I know he is a Fantastic Four villain for the most part. Um, but he almost feels like he has become one of those villains that deserves more than just one group fighting him. In my opinion, he is personally. Now I'm a big Doctor Doom fanboy, so let me preface it with that. I do feel like he is an Avengers level threat. I don't feel like this is one that we just need to, you know, him just get dealt with in a movie, which I obviously don't think that's the route they're going. But I really do hope that he does get this. The the, the, the I'm trying to think of the word, you know, just the what he is deserving of as a villain because he's a big the one. Gravitas. I, I would, yes, I mean he is a big villain. You know, you said maybe not Thanos. You would argue he's one or two in my opinion. Um, sure, there's a lot of great villains out there, but when you're talking about just threats as a whole. I feel like Doctor Doom is up there. Yeah, he, he is, and I completely agree. He does not need to be taken down by the Fantastic Four. Marvel's First Family, um, I'm sorry. There is a reason the Marvel's First Family has not had a good movie yet. It's because they just aren't great in comparison. Um, they're good. I'm just, like, everyone loves Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I just I don't see them as this amazing thing that everyone's gonna like fawn over when the movie drops. I feel like it's going to be good. I'm excited for it, um, but I feel like they're gonna need some help. Um, like uh, I I actually prefer Reed Richards' alternate alternate uh, self, uh, the Inventor, um, who is like um, an alternate reality Reed Richards, who is super intelligent and like is mm-hmm. is is a villain. Um, I actually enjoy him kind of by himself more than with the team. I feel like he's kind of held back with the brutes. Um, so I love getting to see him flex his mind to do everything. Um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, but yes, I agree with you, Doctor Doom. He needs more than the Fantastic Four to beat him. Well, and I know one thing that a lot of people are potentially talking about is the Fantastic Four, you know, using Reed Richards' son as maybe one of the main catalysts of the movie. What do you think about that theory? Um, I actually haven't heard that theory. I don't know okay. much about Reed Richards' son. I know the only descendant I really know that much about is is Kang, and then I do know that Agatha Harkness is actually the babysitter for the Reed children mm-hmm. um, in a lot of the comic movies. And I know we're getting the Darkhold Diaries, uh, a feature it I think leaked or something. Um, so yeah, I mean they may do that to tie in that and bring her into it as well. Um, but, I, I mean, we're definitely getting an older uh, <laughs> Dr. Reed as... Uh, yes, that's as why a lot said. of people seem to be pushing that theory forward, because if if we do get Pedro Pascal, like, you've talked about it, he's older. I don't... I, we can't have him, you know, being the main leader of the Fantastic Four, because this is going to take a few years to really get to, you know, wrapping up this storyline. Um so that's kind of why I feel like that theory is gaining some traction. Um, but I am excited for Fantastic Four news. We should be getting the Fantastic Four cast 
announced at some point. It seems like every week they keep saying, oh, it's next week. Oh, it's next week. I feel like it's got to be close. Do you think it's close or do you still think we're a ways out from hearing who the cast actually is? I think we're actually a ways out. I know they said that as soon as the writer strike is over that they're going to announce the cast. Um, I think we're going to wait. Uh, they have a big December and a big January. I think they want to see where the fan base is with What If dropping and with Echo and see the response to that. And I think if that's negative, they drop it immediately. I okay. think if it's positive, I think they hold on to it because we're not getting anything next year. Like, there's a few shows, there's mm-hmm. one movie, but like, they're going to need some clout to keep keep the people invested. So I think they may hold that a little tighter to the hip. Well, you couldn't have segued perfectly into my next Marvel question for you. And that was actually them coming out and saying that they feel like Deadpool 3 is going to be such a big movie. That's why they're okay with it being the only movie release of 2024. We've talked a little bit about it. We've talked a little bit about how big of the box office it's going to be, how much hype it's going to generate for the future Avengers movie. Do you really think that Deadpool 3 is going to pull off what Marvel seems to anticipate it's going to do? I think it will. Um, I I just, I'm a big fan of the Deadpool movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know they are way too vulgar. They, they're way too off the hip. But, I mean, they really get the character right. And I think they're going to maybe tone it down to where it's acceptable for for a less uh, the average audience the average audience, um, which I'm I'm kind of excited for to maybe get a less um, complete and total vulgar um, Deadpool. Um, and then I mean, as as we talked about my top three Marvel right Wolverine's in it. Uh, I'm super excited to see Hugh Hugh Jackman back, and then really kick off the multiverse this is going to be the sh- the movie that gets everyone excited for the multiverse i know there's no one right now that is outside of mcu fan base that is excited about the multiverse like they were infinity wars everyone was like oh man thanos like this is going to be big this like we all need to go see this no one cares right now and i i think it does have the potential to steer the ship to that everyone's excited about it. It's going to be interesting to see when the first trailer drops. We have got to be getting close to something. I feel like we haven't heard really anything. We just keep hearing on and off that filming draft or, oh, they're just tweaking some things. We're, we're just hearing a lot of stuff like that recently. Do you think we're getting closer to a trailer drop, or do you still think we, they hold out on a trailer as well? I don't think we're anywhere close to a trailer, honestly. I think I think that we may get a trailer with the release of Madam Web okay. um, around that time frame. But uh, as far as filming, they just picked back up on it this week um, during Thanksgiving. Uh, the Thanksgiving week was when they started back filming. And I think they said they have a month left to film. Okay. Maybe that's what I so, saw. So, man, that's, that's pushing it for a, a june release is that's why you know. that's where i'm kind of do you, now next question do you think it's going to be a june release or do we see this movie get delayed i think we see it a uh, pushed i think i think we i mean hold i think it holds i think it gets that release okay. i don't think they push it back i don't think they can afford to i i think if they push this one back they may just lose too much um steam they may lose too much uh like, and I know they have the entire year to play with, but they don't. Like, there's a lot of stuff coming out next year. There's a lot of comp- competing interests. You know, there's a lot of other shows that are really picking up. We saw it this year with with the box office for Disney itself. Like, the box office for Disney this year was horrible, and they're gonna need some wins to keep investing into this stuff the way that they have um, or else they're going to kind of pivot and go towards the Barbie route and the Oppenheimer that you know the movies that really killed it um, they're going to kind of go that way so I, I would say it needs to hold I'd say they will I think the special effects teams had enough time during the writers and actor strike to get the stuff to the level it needed to be that was already filmed um, 
so I don't see them really struggling too much, but I do I do think it is going to be a race to get it out at that point. Well, normally, you know, we're almost in December. You know, June, what, about six, we could say, argue seven months, you know, since we yeah. haven't even started. That, that That is really close to not even be done filming, and especially if they do have a whole month left. That gives, what, about, we'll, we'll say six months. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll give them a few extra days. That gives them about six months to really all the post-production, all the stuff, make sure there's no reshoots or anything like that. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I agree. I don't think they can afford for this to be delayed. I think this movie has to come out on time. But it'll be interesting to see because I also think with the changes we are seeing be made right now at Disney, they are really worried about quality. I think we're seeing that, especially with it being such a low release year next year for stuff. They're focusing again more on quality. So I do feel like if it comes down to it, I will not be shocked if it gets delayed. Um, I feel like they really want this movie to look the part. It needs to it needs to act the part. It's got to do a lot. And I think, like you said, if Disney is going to keep investing in this stuff, Marvel's whole story is kind of based off this movie. Loki did a lot of pushing it forward. Loki got a lot of the point across of where Marvel is heading. But this is the big movie I feel like we've been waiting for for a while now. Seems like every movie up to this point has been really slowly building on it. I feel like Deadpool 3 is the big push we've been waiting for. I agree. Yeah, so, I, I think you're exactly right with that. Like we and, and I think it will be the big push that they've waited for. Yeah, so hopefully that's the case. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, that's most of the Marvel news that I've seen through this week. I don't know if there's any other news that you wanted to potentially talk about. Um, anything you've seen come up? You definitely covered it all. Uh, uh, I I actually didn't see a, a few of those, so I'm glad that you picked them up and was able to um, get it. Um, the only thing I will add to this, um, as far as like a Marvel, uh, like uh, I guess viewership is concerned, um, is that the lo- you know you said Loki really kind of kind of did it for. Um, getting the fan base like excited, um, but it only has twenty two thousand reviews for the final episode. Now I know that is the final an episode of TV having a, a review, um, but that is that is a very very small uh, yeah. portion. Like it it's. <laughs> It's on par with some TV, you know, you do expect it to have about 10% of the entire show's ratings. But, you know, if you're looking at shows, 22,000 reviews for a a finale, uh, and you're expecting big, big, like, if that's the show to get the, the general audience, like, pumped for it, I don't think they, they reached enough eyes, um, to do that. Well, I guess with what Loki and the way I was thinking is maybe that was more for the true fans, you know, people like us that are watching everything that they put out. That was our little taste of what's to come. I, Like I said yeah. before, I think Deadpool 3 is the entire Marvel fan base. You know, the people that are your average viewers, your people that just go to watch just because it's the big thing out and they don't want to be left out in those conversations at work or something like that. That's what Deadpool 3 is going to be. I think Deadpool 3 is going to be the movie that's like, you got to go see this movie if you want to keep up with all the, you know, interviews on the night shows and everything that's going on. That's what Deadpool 3 will be. Rather than where Loki was for us fans, you know, the guys that are watching it, the people that are making podcasts about it. That's what Loki was. Deadpool 3 is going to be what I think Marvel is hoping the next big thing for them that's getting them on, you know, Good Morning America and all those things. They want those headlines for that movie. And I, yeah, I think it'll do that. And, and I like that clarification that that is what it'll do. Yeah, so I think that's what I think Marvel is hoping for. Loki was for us, the podcasters, you know, the YouTubers, the people that are watching it, the comic book readers. But Deadpool three is going to be for America. <laughs> so we'll we'll see we'll see the what world. happens. The world. Uh, we we got to we're do some big stuff coming up. I think this is going to be a crazy year as far as content goes. I think it's just going to be. I think this upcoming year, you know, talking about not even Marvel and Star Wars, is going to be more of a quality focused years than a quantity. I feel like this year. 
was a lot of stuff coming out in a lot of different genres. You know, whether you, you know, video games, there were so many video games being released this year. People talking about this potentially having been the best video game year of all time. Well, a lot of that's due to COVID having delayed so much stuff to now. I think we saw that a lot with, you know, shows and stuff as well. We are still seeing those little last lingering effects of shows that got delayed to this year. So I think next year is going to be a lot slower just in general for a lot of things. So I think that's going to help Marvel in a way because people are going to be craving that type of content. So when Deadpool does drop, it's going to be crazy. I expect this to be one of those movies that is going to be packed for a couple of days at least. And I don't see them having that big drop off in percentage sales like we saw with the Marvels and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I hope so. When I went to watch the Marvels, I literally had two other people yeah. outside of my party in, in the theater. Yeah. I was like... Oh, I, I, was, I was very similar. There was a handful of other little families in there and friend groups and stuff. And I went... I didn't go on the Thursday night, the night of the release. I went on the Friday. And usually still Friday nights, usually for a movie like that, that's kind of like the official release night. Because Thursday's yeah. kind of usually that early night. Usually the Friday night's really packed because not only is a Friday... Um, people don't have work the next day, but usually that's the big reveal night. So I was a little disappointed with that as well, just because I'm craving that packed movie theater again. But man, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see what they do. And the the holiday season is is quickly approaching us. Uh, Definitely tune in uh, the upcoming uh, weeks. We're going to have some uh, holiday specials uh, with ranking some of our our favorite Christmas shows, Christmas Christmas movies coming up. So um, if you're looking forward to any of that, um, maybe maybe send us send us a message in all the places uh, in the comments and uh, get involved. Reach out. Let's. uh, Join the conversation. Yep. I think we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. We've been really doing a lot of, you know, ideas and stuff that we talk about. Usually after we're done filming these podcasts, we stay on here for another 30 minutes just talking about what we want the future to be. So I think you guys have a lot to be excited for. Um, But Zane, if that's all you've got for this week's episode. That's all I got. That's all I've got as well. Um, Zane will be hosting next week. So, Zane, is there any questions or anything like that I need to prepare for that the viewers can be excited to hear from? Or is tomorrow or is next week going to be more of a, you know, fun filled, just off your feet kind of questions? I wanted I want to do a, an off the cuffs questions for you next week. Okay. We'll, we'll get into the uh, the more prepared questions uh, the following weeks. But but yeah, nothing to look forward to yet. Maybe maybe I reach out to you on Tuesday and be like, hey, prep prep for these. But um, as of now, I have some uh, just uh, random uh, questions you won't need prep for. Awesome. So that's something you guys can look forward to. I love the off the you know just free fire questions. I love those because it really makes you kind of give. Honestly, sometimes for me, I think those are the most honest answers you get because they're just quick thinking what's coming to their mind first off. So I love those type of questions. Um, Like Zane said, if there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about or anything like that, make sure to reach out to us at all the places that he lists in the description of this podcast. Um, We have such a good time. We are hoping to get some viewer questions. So don't be afraid if you're out there and have something you want to ask, you will definitely get an answer. So we are excited for all that stuff coming up. But if Zane, if you don't got anything else for us, that's going to be it for this episode of the Weekly Fix. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you next week.